Welcome to the unnecessarily overdramatic introduction to the Culture Trumpet podcast. On this episode, a special guest interview. The first instalment of our brand new feature, Has Dan Seen Die Hard Yet? News, views, mini-reviews from this week's doings in the world of culture. What have Mark and Dan been watching, reading and listening to this week? They both work so hard, I don't know how they get the time. They're awesome. Collections. What did Dan and Mark jizz their spare cash on, and can it go too far? The latest exciting installment of the movie quote quiz game. Will Dan save his reputation as a movie fan, or is he destined to be shunned by family, friends, and society at large? Our in-depth topic, or topics, of the week. Skyglass. What the hell's that all about? Is it a good deal, or can Sky take their Billy Big Bollocks new TV service and shove it arseways? Dan's done the research, so you don't have to. You're welcome. Oh yes, that introduction was very unnecessary and overly dramatic. I have no idea what happened to your voice there, but hopefully your voice is now back to normal. Mark, is your voice back to normal? Yes, it's absolutely fine, thank you. Still smoking 20 a day? Oh yes, I'm just hanging around it. Oh, that's better, yes, much better. Thank you very much. As the over-dramatised introduction stated, we may have an interview. We did have Paul's beard on board for this week, but unfortunately, our lawyers couldn't agree on a suitable fee for him to appear. The bastard. Y- you know, you built this up to be a really good interview, and you didn't tell me what it was. And, and now you're actually thoroughly disappointed we don't actually have Paul's beard. You've disappointed me, Dan. I'm so sorry. I'm good at this. Every week, disappointment all round. We're going to have to have words, you know, buck up your ideas, malado. <laughs> every week my, my role in this podcast gets thinner and thinner and <laughs> in jeopardy every week. However... And your ideas get less booked. Yes. However, it's episode two. Nobody has told us to stop. No, so we're just going to carry on. Uh, yeah. So what has been happening since the last podcast? Do you know, it's actually been a pretty busy week in terms of the old entertainment slash cultural thing. Film-wise, it's certainly been busy. We spoke about rumours of Bill Murray appearing in Ant-Man 3, and that's now been confirmed by the man himself. It's a surprising bit of news. The MCU doesn't seem like his kind of thing. Well, it's it's in Ant-Man 3. It's a comedic movie, and mm, Bill true. Murray is anything but comedic, isn't he? He's a miserable old bugger. <laughs> but yes, Bill Murray confirmed Frontman 3 for a secret role, but my guess it's going to be either Scott's dad, which I think is the most obvious choice, or I have seen rumours of future Scott, which we sort of saw in uh, Endgame. Do you know, either of those could work, actually. I think I think Scott's dad thing is, is a good shout. You know, that kind of chemistry and them kind of working off each other, bouncing off each other. I think they're both kind of quite good at that kind of ad-libby kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But old Scott as well, I suppose it is quantumania, isn't it? So it's old-timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly. Use that, we'll get sued by the BBC. I think the old Scott is is a good shout. I think, I I guess we don't know what the storyline's going to be, but quantumania, quantum realm, we've already had time travel, there's no reason we couldn't have it again. That, That could work, actually, yeah. Okay, so I, I would hope, unless it's a, a very brief cameo, I would hope at some point, you know, they'll they'll confirm who he is actually playing. And I guess the longer it takes them to confirm who he's playing, the more potential it is that he is he has actually playing an old Scott. And that makes sense. But I do wonder when the first teaser comes out, it'll be pretty obvious straight away. If, you know, he rocks up on screen and goes, "My boy," or some yeah, nonsense exactly. like that. Exactly. But but if he's playing old Scott, they might think, well, if we reveal that, that's potentially a bit of a plot spoiler. Yeah, quite right. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. So the other big one was the Dune sequel has been confirmed. That was all a bit up in the air and a bit kind of, will they, won't they, due to the, 
you know, the kind of, I mean, it's, it's open, the, the, the June has, has done very well. I think there was a bit of concern whether a sequel would end up being greenlit because its ability to become a massive record-breaking blockbuster was hampered by a couple of things. One, one, its limited release in the States in, in the sense of it was also going on to HBO Max at the same time. And also the fact that ultimately it's not your classic blockbuster-style movie. As much as the, the trailers kind of give you a, a sense of the scale of the thing, it's definitely, because I've now finally seen it, it's definitely not an action film. It's not necessarily one that will keep you on the edge of your seat from beginning to end. So it's more, so think, of, it's more of a nice story builder yeah. type of movie that gets you invested in the characters over that. Oh, yeah. that's pretty. I mean, it's a pretty looking film anyway. Oh, it is, yeah. So I think I think the the fact it's done well enough that they've kind of gone, yep, let's go ahead and make the sequel. I think is great news. I think they're probably helped by the fact that a lot of the, not all, but a lot of the hard work in terms of obviously the casting, production design, set building, props, costume design has already been done for the first film. They won't have binned all of that because the plan from the beginning was was that there was all being well going to be two films. So I'm sure that 90% of what they built for the first film still exists in some form or other, whether it's physical props or digital assets and so on so the second film they've kind of the pre-production costs and construction costs on the second film i would imagine will be lower than the first film because they've already done the hard work if that makes sense yeah no it's, it's similar to the we're going to sound like a broken record on this but the new halloween trilogy that's just coming out of course halloween kills takes part straight after halloween 2018 i can't remember the time frame of when it was filmed but i think it was filmed pretty back to back Almost, yeah. yeah. Now, unfortunately, the COVID pandemic that struck the world has delayed Halloween Ends being filmed. But from what I read recently, David Gordon Green said that they're hoping to go into production in February, but that's for an October release. So I guess they'd be using the same same idea that you've just mentioned, that everything's there. The Uh actors are all signed on because that's another thing. The actors that are in June, you know, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know if they'll make it to part two, obviously, Uh but you've got Zendaya, who's massively up and coming obviously timothy yep. chamelay who has yep. just been signed on to do wonka at netflix and that Bush. has started production yeah batista oscar isaac you know mm-hmm. these massive hard hitters in hollywood at the moment yeah how the hell do they get their schedules on par for part two that you know well, without without knowing it was going to go ahead yeah, I, I I suspect there's been a lot more going on behind the scenes than maybe we've been let in on. Because obviously the film's been finished for a year, right? So I'm sure Denis Villeneuve's not just been sat there twiddling his thumbs. I reckon so, the lazy git. <laughs> I, I would imagine that the script is ready, that the schedules have already been worked out, at least provisionally, to say, look, if we get the green light, this is when we're going to be filming. And Fred Bloggs actor, this is when we need you to be available. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I reckon... They've spent the last year being very productive in terms of planning everything so that once they, once they were given the green light, they could really hit the ground running. Because this is on for an October 2023 release, two, less than two years away now. So I reckon by the new year, January, February, we should get reports that they've already started filming. It wouldn't surprise me if, if they were ready to go that quickly. I, I suspect they've been very busy behind the scenes getting everything ready, just waiting for the green light to be given. So you say that Dune was has been ready for a year. When yeah. was that originally meant to be released? Because there's a lot of films that are due to come out very soon. So we've had Ghostbusters delayed. Obviously, Halloween yeah. Kills was delayed. Yeah. Top Gun still hasn't come out. Don't forget. And that, has, yeah. that really has been finished because Tom Cruise gave the England... Euro squad screening of it. That's right. And that's um, been pushed to next year, I believe. I think next summer. And I think Mission Impossible 7 has been pushed back towards the end of the year. So this this is why I, I bring it up, because those are literally ready to go. And if the likes of Dune are going, we'll put it out now. Bond obviously came out and did all right. Yeah. How, when was Dune slated for? So originally it was due to be released in November 2020. I see, I didn't um, know that. And then it was pushed back to December. And then I think they moved it to October, the beginning of October in the States. And then in the summer, they moved it to the end of October in the States. But obviously it was it, it started being rolled out worldwide, I think, 
September time. It had its world premiere, the Venice International Film Festival in September. And so it's been kind of rolling out across Europe since then. And then it hit the States last week or so, I guess. So, yeah, there's, it's had a, a fair old delay. But as I say, I suspect they've been busy kind of in things ready and lined up so that once that green light was given, they could just get going straight away. Crack on with it, not waste any more time. Yeah, yeah, basically. Ultimately, there's a lot of money being invested in it. And while I'm sure that the first film will break even, I think they probably need the second film to really make a profit. Because if my assumption that the second film ultimately should be cheaper than the first film, because all that hard work has been done, the second film could make a bigger profit on a on the same size box office, if you know what I mean. If, they, if they've got to recover 500 million for the first film and it makes 500 million while well, they break even, if they've got to recover 200 million for the second film but it makes 500, now they've got a 300 million dollar profit. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense and lots of numbers. So I did shut off straight away as you started talking about money and things, <laughs> but I get where you're coming from. I get really into the behind the scenes studio thinking and, and numbers and what how they must work these things out. Yeah. Right, Ultimately, they're a business, right? Sure. They're, they're making entertainment, they're making art, etc. but they're also there to make money. So it always interests me, you know, studio thinking in terms of release plans and delays and how that might affect things and, you know, all that kind of thing. Talking of making money and studio thinking, yes. this week, the Book of Boba Fett trailer was released. Yeah. For those who haven't seen The Mandalorian, probably time to skip ahead a couple of minutes. Disney Plus exclusive. It's not it's obviously a TV show. It's the unofficial, I'm doing air quotes here in my studio, which is oh. certainly not my home office. It's the unofficial Series 3 of The Mandalorian, following... Boba Fett, who makes an amazing return in Mando Season 2. Yes, yeah. At the time of doing this section, I have not watched the trailer. Okay. So let's not go into it today. That's fine. I have watched it. It looks very good. I assume Uh, it's going to take the same sort of art direction that The Mandalorian has done. Yeah, generally. There's a little bit of a slightly different visual style. I think it's going to be a little bit more kind of action-y perhaps, from some of the stuff that are in there. But no, it looks good. It looks good. And I'm interested to see kind of where they take the story. It seems to follow on from The Mandalorian. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested in in, in where they go with that one. And talking of trailers, another smooth segue, the trailer for Morbius was released today. Have you managed to see that one yet? I've seen stills, and I have seen that it references the entire Spider-Man universe, so Raimi's trilogy, the Andrew Garfield saga, and Tom Holland's, and even Venom. Yep. But I've not seen the full trailer yet, again, as the time of recording this, because as that amazing voiceover actor in our intro said, we have busy lives. Yeah, we can't can't watch everything. Ah, we're just two men. (laughs) Mere mortals. But Uh, I I, I despise Jared Leto as a human being. And that sounds really harsh, but I've never been a fan of the the music career that he's done with 30 Seconds to Mars. I dislike his godlike cult entity that he's created over the last 10 years. Yeah. But annoyingly, him playing a vampire, it looks all right, actually. Yeah. I'm not a fan of his. I, I actually... I'm probably one of the few people who liked his version of Joker. And I think that's simply because I think when you're following Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger, there's not many other places you can take it. So I think what he did was kind of from a limited range of options for the character. I think he did okay with it. In in terms of Morbius, yeah, it looks fine. I mean, some of the hints to, as you say, the different Spideys universes and Venom as well interesting from the trailer you get those little hints i'll i'll be interested to see if kind of that's the limits of it or in the film itself there will be more of that but it looks okay it's a bit like venom where it's like you'll watch it more through curiosity because it's spider-man adjacent if you know what i mean yeah that makes perfect sense that that's why i watched the first venom and i mean the second one as well looks okay and you know, it's directed by Andy Serkis, who I'm a big fan of. Yep. And I'll give it a go because of how it's probably going to tie into our MCU universe. Yeah. But it's not a franchise. I mean, the Sony movies anyway have been hit and miss over the years. Mm. I do think Marvel Studios, 
beat the correct dead horse there. But also with the casting of Tom Holland, it's quite mm-hmm. helped that. But again, I liked Andrew Garfield's incarnation. I gotta say, I did. So, given the rumours for the Spider-Man No Way Home, I'm hoping he gets the chance to have another crack at that character. Yeah, completely uh, agree. And I, I'm so looking forward to December. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably the the one I'm looking forward to most for the for the rest of the year now. Okay, so that's the kind of news and and kind of up to date stuff there. Is there anything you've been listening to or watching or reading this week that you would recommend? Last week, I wouldn't recommend it, but <laughs> last week, Limp Biscuit finally released their new album. Now, this is an album that has been in the works, again, my air quotes, for mm. 10 years. Now, their last album, Gold Cobra, came out in 2011. Now, that album was okay. Mm. It was nothing like Chocolate Starfish and the other bits of the title I've forgotten. But was it worth a 10-year gap? Yeah, no. It's half an hour, so you don't have to sink too much time into it. And it is just classic Limp Bizkit, I suppose. You know, some great riffs, some DJ shit on the top. And Fred Durst being Fred Durst. But it's not worth a 10-year wait. No. I'm not particularly a fan of them anyway, but I think if I was waiting 10 years for my favourite band to release an album and it was half an hour long, I'd be a bit miffed. Yeah, and I have been told by, by... people that have listened to the podcast that I shouldn't just talk about music that I like, which, <laughs> ugh, what's the point in that? So I will suffer Ed Sheeran's new album. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> so you don't have to. <laughs> and I'll even, even suffer Adele's new album. And after hearing her first single, I thought, oh, shit, here we go again with some more depressing dribble. And she's just gone through a divorce and she has said that's what the theme of the album's going to be. I am an Adele fan. I would quite happily go see her if I got the opportunity. But I do think it's another album of the same stuff. I thought she was going to go quite poppy this time around. All right, okay. But she hasn't. Also, ABBA has a new album out. Now, who doesn't like ABBA? Yeah, who doesn't like ABBA? Quite right. If you don't like ABBA, turn off. Just go. <laughs> we don't want you. We don't want your kind around here. So I'll even do that one. So yeah, that's that's a bit more accessible audio other than here's some metal again. Okay. Well, I'll be interested to see your views of the the wider range of music that you're going to subject yourself to. I, I'm doing it so you don't have to. Just remember that. I'm suffering for art here. Your, your sacrifice is appreciated. Thank you. Okay. I've picked up a couple of books this week. I picked up The Art of June. Didn't know you could read. Yeah. yeah well, lots of pictures. Lots of pictures, which, as the name suggests, covers, you know, the kind of production artwork and behind-the-scenes pictures for June. It's one of those big kind of art of coffee table books that I, I do like picking up. I've got quite a few of those covering some Marvel movies and, and some some of the, the better Star Wars films and things like that. I'd also picked up the huge 10 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe book, which is kind of two volumes in a in a big case. It, it's not a cheap one, but if you're into the MCU and you've got the spare money, I highly recommend it. It's very well, surprisingly candid in terms of in terms of you know the the comments and the interviews and kind of areas that are covered. It starts before the MCU itself, so it kind of starts back in the Blade days and, and X Men and obviously the Sony Spider Man films. Those kind of early successes with Marvel characters that Marvel themselves didn't really have any control over. Uh, and then how, you know, Marvel Studios were then formed and taking a, a real gamble, really, on on the casting and, and the kind of this setting out this this plan for these phases and so on. So it's, you know, a lot of... There's quite been quite a few websites over the last couple of weeks have been managing to stretch a single quote out into whole articles in a very kind of clickbait fashion, which has been a bit frustrating, but I, I, I'm i not going to kind of go down that route of, of giving you any huge quotes. But definitely there's some really interesting stuff in there. And if you're at all interested in, in the MCU, it's, it's definitely worth picking up if you can. I forget how little time these movies have actually been around. Well, yeah, it's been incredible. I mean, there's, there's the films and then obviously there's, there's been the Disney shows. We've got Hawkeye starting in a couple of weeks. There's been the Netflix shows, which are kind of on, on the periphery, not, you know, but, but they're still there. There's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter. You know, there's been a huge amount 
of of stuff produced, and clearly they're still going because yeah. there's you know there's I think I read the other day they've they've got about thirty different projects in various stages of planning and production. I've also read those numbers, and it's staggering to think yeah. one studio is doing all that at once. But also, as you say, l- managing to link them all together. It's a phenomenal you know, feat of it is. writing, direction, and it's oh, insane. It's incredible, it really is. You say a big coffee table book. I, I have I have a few of my own. Mm. I have, it's one of the Back to the Future ones, which had a lot of pullouts of mm. different bits of information, which I quite liked. I do have an art of Marvel films. And I think it covers Captain America, Thor 1, Iron Man, and there might be one more in there. I think it was a Thor book. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And I have the Alien one as well, which mm-hmm. I really liked, because it, it, one particular thing in there that sold it for me was it has the Xenomorph life cycle. Oh, yeah. And it shows that little bit between Chestburster and the big bugger that you see. And it has a little bit of how it develops. And to me, that was really cool. Yeah. No, I I love books like that. I think that really, you know, you get to see, obviously, stuff that's never used. But you also just, you just see that that process of where they start with the original idea and how it then ends up on on the big screen slightly off tangent but one thing that caught my eye a few years ago was i was looking i, I, I like hr giga the artist who, who oh yeah i mean the, the man had some mental ideas yes but he is obviously synonymous with the alien franchise yeah indeed and, and i've got one of his books which is called film design and it's as the name suggests it shows artwork he did for various films over the years some of which was used and some of which was never used like he did a design for the batmobile for batman forever which was never used but it's insane and and one of the big films he worked on that never came to be was alejandro jodorowsky's version of june and he designed quite quite a few kind of buildings and landscapes and things and there's there's a building in that which is like this kind of dome kind of building with a kind of face on the top of it thing and it was designed for june and i was sat there watching prometheus and it's it's in prometheus now it's never kind of acknowledged or mentioned anywhere but it is you put them side by side and it's clear that's what it is kind of thing so we both collect those kind of books which is cool and obviously we collect movies and steel books which is kind of came to be as a as an idea what other stuff do you kind of pick up and collect it's a good question in i mean i collect various different things films being the primary thing that i collect most recently purely because some colleagues invited me to an app called untapped Okay. And it's an application, you sign in onto your phone, and you collect beers and other alcoholic beverages. Okay. And in fact, it's actually spurred me on to, one, try different beers other than the ones that I know I like all the time, which are really boring, mm. but try different lagers and different beers at different pubs. So, you know, I'll go to a, a, a local pub and go, oh, what have they got on this week? Oh, I've not tried that. Oh, I'll do it. And then I'll log it. Okay. One, it's really good because you can rate things. So if you find a beer that you really, really liked... I'll make a note of it. I'll make sure I can go buy it. But also you can see what your other friends are drinking as well. And then you can take the piss out of them for drinking lager. Okay. So it's not like one of those beer 52 things where they send you the beers to try. It it isn't. And and ironically, you do get an email every time you uh, log a beer from a company like that saying, would you like to buy a crate of beer? Just pay P&P. Right. Because we know what kind of drinks you drink. So here's something you like as well. Yeah. And it's impossible to cancel. Uh, right. <laughs> but it is just a case if you go in, what drink are you drinking? Do you fancy rating it? Is it bottle? Is it draft? Where's the location? Who are you with? Here's the hit. What, what notes has it got? It's quite in depth. Yeah. And again, oh, okay. it's a bit of fun. It's it's different. Other than beers, I normal things to collect, I suppose. I used to collect comics to a degree, most notably a lot of the Marvel ones. So yeah. I have a few first variants of certain comic that came out so not exactly expensive or, or worth any money but when death of wolverine came out i collected that properly but i like to buy the, the i say compendiums but the collections of comics so you know the best of wolverine or whatever it's called and like the trade paperback kind of i guess so yeah. yeah like i've got a hardback of old man logan that was a fantastic series oh yeah okay most mostly x-men and wolverine to be quite honest with you yeah yeah because comics are impossible to keep up on and catch up on if you've never yeah. collected it. So, like, some of the Alien comics I was recently looking into, I don't know where to bloody start on that. So, yeah, yeah, comics, I used to buy them all the time, but but 
definitely kind of lost track, as you say. Keeping up with them now is impossible. It's obscene, and it's like we'll come onto this in a little in a little bit when we segue into the other notes that we have. But it's storing things. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've moved uh, several times over over the last couple of years, yeah. and moved into various degrees of size of property. Yeah. And yeah, we use it as a, an, ex- an excuse to have a good clear out. But there's certain things we go. I can't part with that. That's taken me years, and mm. you know, monetary value to to create. And yeah. comics, I feel once you've read them, you either stick them in a shelf or put them in a yeah. box. And yeah. unless it's a big compendium or a collection like the Watchmen series or the Death of Wolverines or your Old Man Logans, or whatever, yeah, you're not going to go back and review it particularly often. I don't think. No, no, no. I think, but that that kind of space issue is is another factor. I mean, I've I collect art prints, you know, kind of mainly kind of like Jock and Matt Ferguson and things like that. And they're not up all they're not all up on the wall because I just don't have the room. So yeah, that's, so a yeah. lot of them, are, you know, a lot of them are just kind of stored away because I've literally run out of wall space. So in terms of prints, I've collected similar ones over the years, not to the degree of that and not not by certain artists, but I've been to shows that have had a signed poster and I've bought that. It's a limited edition lithographic signed by the band and you know I've framed it, stuck it on the wall with the guitar pick that I got from the show and the ticket and that's quite nice. But again, they're in storage at the moment. Yeah. But I'll tell you one artist that I have followed for a number of years is a chap called Danny Hass. He is a artist based in Orlando, Florida, who right. does art called Half and Half. Basically, what he does is it's a cartoon drawing. One half might be the human character, and on the other half is the superhero character. So think straight down the middle, you've got Clark Kent, one side, Superman. A couple of years ago, my wife backed his Kickstarter, and it was a book of Half and Half. And it came with a limited edition print of Princess Leia. Right. One half was the 70s Leia. The other half was the modern sequel, General Organa. Okay. Which is really cool. But again, oh, that, yeah. it's sort of stored for the time being because I've got nowhere to put it. Yeah. But honestly, Danny Hass, he's probably all over the internet. I think he's down as Art of Danny or The Art of Danny. But he's based in, um, based in Orlando. He's done stuff for Disney and he's worked at Epcot doing stuff for Disney. Oh, fantastic. No, that sounds good. I've, yeah, no, that sounds great. There's, I like kind of stuff that's more, that's, that's not just like Photoshopped. I like the, the kind of strong graphical kind of artwork, and it sounds like the kind of thing I'd like. So I'll tell you the book you should check out. It's called Super Graphic, A Visual mm-hmm. Guide to the Comic Book Universe. Okay. It's by a chap called Tim Leong, and it's basically a book of data about comic books displayed in graphs, and it's really quite cool. I'm making it sound, making it sound really boring. <laughs> so, for example, of all the DC films, I don't know, who's who had the biggest budgets, and it's displayed okay. in really cool graphics, like, I know, bigger bat signals for the biggest Batman film. I don't know. I, I get the drift of what you're saying, though. That sounds really interesting. That sounds good. I might have to check that one out. So that's grown-up things you can collect. Mm. Mark, do you collect anything else that may be not considered for adults? Well, it's funny you should mention that. Yeah, it's not my, like I had my, this planned or anything. No, no. My, my weakness is Lego. Not not particularly the kids' sets, obviously, but, you know, the, like the ultimate collection sets that they do. Ridiculously expensive, but oh so irresistible. So I've got things like the, the Ghostbusters Ecto-1, the 1989 Batmobile, one which is huge, you know, a couple of Star Wars sets. I, I do kind of draw the limit, you know. I've I've not gone for the Millennium Falcon or the Star Destroyer, not yet. Which which you know, kind of five six hundred pounds a pop. But yeah, again, it, a lot of it comes down to space, doesn't it? it these things can be quite big when they're built. Yeah, quite right. So space again becomes an issue. But yeah, I've, I find I find the Lego stuff quite kind of relaxing and therapeutic, you know. Some some people might do jigsaws or, or whatever, but I'll they're just bigger versions of jigsaws, in my they opinion, are. and yeah, that exactly. cost about five times as more well, than a don't jigsaw. Worry about that bit, no, not, not until I... we have to pay bills. Yeah, <laughs> the size of these things. I have a UCS Tie Fighter which I bought a few years ago. Mm. I I built it and it's still on a shelf for a couple of months, and then I ended up moving and it's gone back into its box. But there's one yeah. set that I've always wanted and I put it off because of how expensive it was and to a degree where the hell am I going to put it? 
and it was the helicarrier from oh, Avengers. Yeah. It was about 300 quid. Ah, no, it, it's the one that got away. But there's also yeah. the other set that I really quite like is the Jurassic Park Gates with the T-Rex. Oh, right. That's pretty cool, and it's been yep. retired soon, I found out. Yet I still didn't pull the plug on it when it was cheap the other day. It was sub 150 quid or something like that. How much, sorry? Sub 150 quid. Oh, right, okay, yeah. I, I, did, I couldn't. Point is... They're expensive, and where the hell do you keep all these big sets when they're actually built? Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. I mean, I've got ones, I've got some on top of bookcases and things, but there's certainly a couple that I've kind of put away when I've moved and I've not unpacked them yet. Just I've done exactly I the same thing. Go. I tell you one set, though, which I think is rumoured to be coming out either at the end of... Well, it probably won't be the end of this year now. It'll probably be next year. So like the Ecto-1 that you've just mentioned, which I have as well as a fantastic set... Mm is a similar-sized version of the DeLorean from that little film known as Back to the Future. Oh, really? Now, could you imagine a set that's that detailed and that big themed to the DeLorean? Well, that's just gone on my essential purchase list. Honestly, have have yeah. a Google of it. Ah, uh, mm, yes. I, I, yes. <laughs> uh, I, Back to the Future, my all-time favourite trilogy. It, ah, uh, bleh. It's going to be horrendously expensive, yet that yeah. will have to be done. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and, I'll, you I'll, know, I'll be this, this ties into it can get can go too far, but the one sort of thing that, or the, the one thing that comes to mind to me is there is limits on what I will pay for these things. And yeah. looking at my MCU collection, so I've got the entire MCU, on, I started collecting those semi-seriously when The Avengers came out. So that's quite early on. But I think the next one I actually bought on Steelbook after that was Iron Man 3. And then I started collecting properly. So I had to go back and buy the other ones secondhand. Mm. And CX are great because they sell them secondhand. Yep. They also inflate them. So I think the most expensive one I bought was, I don't know, £45 maybe. And that might have been Guardians 1 or Thor. I can't remember. Okay. But that's the bane of being a collector now. Some of these yeah. films are oh, 29 99 maybe 32 99 but because I've started it, I'm going to have to finish it. Well, that's it, especially when it's a particular series. But I, and, I, and I think you know the, the studios know that one one you know running a steelbook site. One of the comments I often get, and I'm sure you've you've kind of seen this as well, is why do they keep releasing the same things again and again? You know, it's like Halloween, Halloween. 2018. <laughs> it's, it's getting its third steelbook in as many years, right? And, and you thought Disney was bad with, with all their Marvel re-releases. But it's like, you know, oh, there's a Marvel lenticular release, then there's there's the standard release, then there's a lenticular, then there's a 4K, then there's a 4K lenticular, and on and on and on. And it's, yeah, yeah, I get that. But ultimately, no one's making you buy those. So as, as much as a complain, as, as much as collectors might complain, oh, they keep re-releasing these and then bringing a new one out, <laughs> you'd have to buy it. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to buy it. And it's the same. I have I have comments on people that invest, let's say, in these mm. assets mm-hmm. because, you know, like you say, bringing out several versions, well, the previous one becomes redundant and less value. Well, you're not a collector then, are you? No, no. Well, you're you are investor. a collector, but you're an investor. Yeah, and that's. I think that's the wrong way to approach it. I, I've got some, and I'm sure you have, that I paid normal price for. And, and just through sheer look because of the demand or they've sold out or they weren't very big print runs they're now worth a hell of a lot more than what i paid for them but that wasn't the intention i bought it because i loved it because i liked the film or i liked the artwork or both and it's like you know the one i the run that i kind of first came across this attitude was was the rocketeer which the original release was one of zavi's early exclusives with their deal with disney it came out it was that iconic rocketeer art deco poster artwork which is one of my all-time favorite film posters i managed to get a copy thankfully very happy and then a few years later they re-released it with a lenticular magnet on the front everything else exactly the same nothing new on the disc just a magnet just but the same artwork on the steelbook and then the same artwork again as a lenticular magnet right? that's incredible so and the, the fuss that people kicked up because the original by that point was quite rare and sought after right so people go oh well now mine's worthless it's like well no it's not is it you it bought means it something you to you it. as the person. Exactly, yeah. exactly. If if it's really worthless, if it's genuinely worthless because now it's had a re-release, then you're not a collector. You're an investor. You're in it for the money. If you consider it as being worthless, you're buying things for the wrong reason. 
from my perspective, it's a brilliant steelbook, and I was personally happy it was getting a re-release because everyone who missed it the first time could now grab a copy. And I agree with you on that. So the recent 4K steelbook releases of the Star Wars saga, I didn't have any of those on steelbooks other than the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. And when they started to release the 4K ones, I thought, do you know what? It's time to do it. So I sold the last three and then rebought all nine. And geez, was that a tough few months, as <laughs> most people who are part of the Steelbook Slack will remember us all moaning how expensive this is going to be and what are we going to tell our other halves? Beans on toast for tea. Pot yep. noodles for days. <laughs> anyway, I think we have blabbed on about that sort of stuff too much. I think we have. Now, I don't know why I'm introducing this part because it's going to be my downfall. Well, so, there, there is... Before we move on to this, there is a new feature that I would just like to introduce. Oh, how could I forget? I I think this will be a a very popular new feature. We should be able to clear this one up quite quickly. The feature is, has Dan seen Die Hard yet? So, this week, Dan, have you seen Die Hard yet? Drumroll, please. No. Okay. That was our new feature, and we'll check back in next episode for the next exciting instalment. Now, as you were just about to say, Dan, you're really looking forward to a rematch after crushing and humiliating defeat. Just leave it. Just leave it, Mark. Um, let's, let's play the jingle that has been <laughs> lovingly curated by one of our creators, and let's, let's just play the jingle. Let's get it over with. Let's go. It's Dan versus Mark. It's Dan versus Mark. Okay, so the movie quote quiz round <sighs> two. Yeah. Let's we've got a fresh set of quotes. Neither of us know what the other one's gonna cover. No, we we keep it in separate documents so there is no cheating. And as we all remember, and I'm having nightmares about it still, Mark won last week's. I didn't just win though, did I? Oh you walked it. Alright, fine, <laughs> fine. So for listeners who may have skipped the pilot, uh, skipped episode one, in fact, if you didn't do it in the pilot, the game is, this particular game is really simple. It's a movie quote game. So each of us will take turns presenting a quote to the other player. They can guess the film and if they want to. And if Mark has prepared that this week, we'll also give a bonus point for the character. I have on some, I don't know. Right, okay. <laughs> let's just do... I, I read my notes, okay. Yeah, sorry, um, let's just do single points on this one. Roger that. We'll introduce bonus points next time, I'll make sure <laughs> I get the characters next time. Okie dokie, so I'll go first, just to... Yeah, I just want to get my bits over with. All right. Cue suspense music, question one. Inconceivable. Uh, oh, that's the um, uh, Princess Bride. Yeah, well done, okay, Okay, my go. You must be Igor. No, it's pronounced Igor. I think... Ah, oh, I, I can see it. It's a Mel Brooks film. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the proper title of it, but I know it's a Frankenstein. Uh, I'll give you it. Son, son of Frankenstein? I can't remember what it's called. Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Oh, you can have that. You I can haven't have seen it, it but I just ga- guessed... Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's all right, go on. I haven't seen Princess Bride either. Okay, brilliant. Okay, here's here's number two. You really think you can come in here and buy me out white? You're a lot dumber than I thought. Reservoir Dogs? It's not. That would have been Dodgeball, a true underdog story. Okay, it's just the white bit, the Mr. White. Oh, that threw you off. That was not my intention. Oh, okay. I'll know that for next time. Uh, Yeah. Do Do you get a point if I get it wrong? And vice versa. No, when did we introduce this nonsense? I'm just, I'm just checking. No, because you would have had double digits last week. Well, yeah, but stop you making just, my, stop making my you, loss even worse. You know, you'd have got a point then because I guessed wrong. No, that's no. That would have benefited you. I know it would have, but last <laughs> week I just go back and change the points. So last week you got a. <laughs> oh, right. like sixty. Get on with the game. Okay, <clears throat> my next one. That's the truth about Las Vegas. We're the only winners. The players don't stand a chance. Okay. Okay. I don't recognise it initially, but it's probably something to do with gambling. I go out on a whim and say Ocean's Eleven. No. But I see where you're going with that. No, it was a casino. I haven't seen it. Moving on. All right. Adding to the list of, again, films I haven't seen. 
<laughs> Number three. Yep. Nothing makes a woman feel more like a girl than a man who sings like a boy. <sighs> oh. <laughs> I, oh. Honestly, no idea. I mean, could give us a clue, but I don't think I'll get it. It was one of Universal Pictures' highest earning franchises of the last 10 years. So, so either Jurassic Park or Fast and Furious. I mean, definitely the, those, that line was not uttered in either of those franchises. And that, well, was, that was actually a quote, I believe, from one of the actresses in said film. So if it was just the press, then <sighs> don't quote don't me on know. that. No, I don't know. Pitch Perfect. Oh, okay, right, yeah. <laughs> definitely picking films you've not seen like you've done with me. I have seen Pitch Perfect, but it was a long time ago, and you can tell what kind of impression it made on me. So that that was that was Gail, who was Elizabeth Banks's character. Uh, right. Okay. Okay. Go on then. Number four, right. please. Or number three. Uh, I've lost count. My number three. My number three. Five foot nine. I didn't know they stacked shit that high. <laughs> oh, I've heard this. I think because as soon as you reveal what it's from, I go, yeah, no. Five foot nine. I will have my clue, please. It's more shouted than spoken. Oh, okay. I'll go with... Ah, bugger. What is it? It's a Kubrick. Yep. Full metal jacket. Yay! The shouting helped there. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, number four, coming at you. First goddamn week of winter. Well, that's got to be the thing. It is indeed. Guess what I watched recently? (laughs) That you've never seen before. Correct, and it was a phenomenal film. Anyway, moving on. All right, and my number four. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? (laughs) While I was away, so a character goes and comes back. Oh, is that... Is that a Marvel film? It's not Endgame, then. No, no, no. IQs drop whilst I was away. I will have a clue. They were away for 57 years. Aliens. Yes. That's what I... That's annoying. 57 years was mentioned in the fantastic documentary series on Netflix, The Movies That Made Us. Ah, And I genuinely happened to watch the Aliens one two days ago. (laughs) Well, there you go. Wow, wow. Okay, okay. You're allowed a clue in your last one. Okay. Here we go. Easy pops. Cockfighting is illegal where I come from. Yeah, go on, give us a clue. Okay, so I'll give you a choice of clues. I can give you the actor that delivers the line, which is probably going to be difficult. Right. Or you can take the easier help, which is the studio. (sighs) Give us the actor. Let's try that one first. The actor is Mel Gibson. God, does it have to be? Oh, Chicken Run. Yes! <laughs> well done. Okay, yeah, well, fair play. Because I think, which what studio would make it really easy? Hardman. Hardman. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me know if you need a clue on this one. We're going to need some more FBI guys, I guess. Ooh. 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 Die Hard. Yep. Ah, nailed it. Easy, easy point, <laughs> easy point. <laughs> Not bad for a film you haven't seen. Correct. So what what are the scores on the doors this week? Scores on the doors for my side. Three points. Three points. And you got... I'll give you Young Frankenstein. You got very generous. You got Kubrick. You got Aliens. And you got... Dying hard. I mean, so, take, take one off for the points, uh, for the hints I had, I think. Oh, all right. Well, let's call it a draw then, shall we? Three... Three all. Three all. Okay. Oof. Tune in to next week on Dan versus Mark. Nail biting, <laughs> the nail biting uh, continuation. So the quiz is out of the way. I'm sure you're all now breathing. I say you can just relax now. And I think it's now time for the jingle. It's time for topic topics of the week. Excellent. So what we try and do after we've waffled on about kind of what's been going on in the week and kind of covering a couple of little topics our our plan kind of going forward as a format is to kind of focus then on a, a kind of different topic each week and maybe go a little bit more in depth so a couple of weeks ago sky announced a new service called sky glass which was got quite a bit of press and it's some kind of new tv with integrated sky so dan i think you've been doing a bit of reading up and, and looking into this what is it 
is it worth it? Is it something to be excited about? Yep. I drew the short straw this week. Skyglass is essentially Sky's cutting-edge technology to, one, sell you a television set, and two, get rid of Sky boxes and stream everything over an internet connection. So the essence of the package is, much like your mobile phone contract, you pay for the handset over a monthly period, and then you also pay for the usage and the content of said device. So in this case, instead of a phone and minutes and text and data, it's a television and the content is your Sky TV package. Now, gone of the days where you needed to have an engineer pop round at a time he didn't say they'd arrive and screw a big dish into your wall, everything is now done via an internet connection. So what Sky have done is they have developed their own television with a panel designed specifically for Sky, and they happen to be the people that supply Philips with their television panels. What you're going to get is a television in three sizes, so a small at 43 inches, a medium at 55 inches, or a large at 65 inches, mm-hmm. an Ultra HD Quantum Dot 4K television. Okay. Ooh. A few issues. Yeah. I've already got a telly. Yeah. I quite like it. Yeah. Why should I upgrade? Yeah. Well, yeah. Sky plugging this, and I've seen a few reviews on the YouTubes and the internet, mm. that this will replace your home cinema system. Mm. And the reason why they say that is because Sky are boasting six powerful speakers, epic subwoofer, and uh-huh. all built-in spine-tingling 360-degree Dolby Atmos, registered trademark, sound. Yeah. Those speakers built into the TV, that's not like a separate... Correct. So there is a soundbar looking type thing built into the television. Now, these tellies do look smart. I can't knock that. They come in five or six different colours and it's all integrated. So if you mounted this to a wall, it's flush. It's wicked. Okay, okay. But what it's boasting is you've got a soundbar down the bottom. Yeah. You've got speakers in the top as well. Right. The subwoofer thing bothers me because surely a subwoofer needs to be off out the side somewhere as a separate unit. Quite beefy as well. You'd think so, and these things are really thin. Having watched a review, one, I'd like to try one, but there's reasons why I wouldn't bite the bullet so quickly. Yeah, okay. So, a lot of people have been asking about cost. Yeah. Currently, unless you are an influencer or somebody who's within the tech world, you have to register to order, and I assume a salesperson would phone you back and go, here's your packages. Sure, yeah. So let's set aside the fact that you need an internet connection. Let's come back to that. To get the Sky Glass television and a package, you're going to have to pay for two things, right? So let's start off at 43 inches, which is a moderately sized television for yeah. most people, right? Yeah, yeah. You can buy these outright at £649. For which size is that? The 43? That's the 43 inches if you bothered to listen. Oh. <laughs> sorry, miss. That's the small one. I did say it, but that's okay. Yeah, you did. Sorry, yeah, go on. So that works out. You can do it on a contract, £13 a month with a £10 uh-huh. upfront free with a 48-month contract. Yeah. However, you then need to add on your Sky package. Oh, right, okay. So it's £13 a month for your television, and then what, right. £36, £38 a month? Yeah, about but that. But then, yeah. to even get anything to it, you need a broadband connection. Yep. Call it another 35 quid. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. So you already, you know, I thought this was going to sort of cut costs a little bit of Sky packages, which are insanely mm. expensive anyway. Yeah. But it still looks like to be 80, 80, 90 pound a month for the basic, basic version. You know, this, the 65 inch TV set is outright just over a thousand pounds. Again, not too bad. 21 pound a month, 48 months. Well, I mean, looking at, if, if you're just looking at the TV itself, right? So say you're looking there like, the the sixty five inch one at a thousand pounds. You can pick up a sixty five inch quantum dot high sense screen with Dolby Atmos, with Dolby Vision HDR ten and HLG HDR, so that'll be compatible with BBC iPlayer. That's sixty five inch, and that's seven hundred quid. But does it? But does it? It doesn't come with Sky's proprietary gubbins it, it on the inside to give you Sky. No. It doesn't, you're quite right. But is, is that clearly worth £300? Well, Sky seem to think so, because mm. they're toting that it's all one plug. You literally need mm. to plug it into the power and everything else is done with wireless. Okay. 
Um, How about recording then? Because the Sky stuff is obviously one of the benefits of Sky and Virgin Media, you know, is that record hours and hours of TV, set your series links and all that kind of thing. So does it have a hard drive built in? So uh, this is quite interesting. So I had a look today at the forums of Sky customers. Yeah. And this question was posed and it's all cloud-based. Okay. So that one gives them the the freedom to make it nice and thin. Sure. But also, if your internet connection goes down, you are buggered. Mm. With SkyQ, and I used to be a SkyQ customer, I loved it, I thought it was fantastic. Mm. Traditional Sky with a Sky satellite, if your internet went down to your property, you could still watch Sky. Yeah, so I've got SkyQ, and and watching live TV is over the satellite dish. Recording any shows that happen to be on is over the satellite dish, but any of the on-demand stuff requires the internet connection. That's done over your internet. So you can watch live, you can record live and watch stuff that has been recorded, but if you want to do any catch-up stuff without an internet connection, you're screwed. So looking at if you wanted to buy Skyglass as a package to get you going, yeah, you're looking at £39 a month for the smallest television at 43 inches, mm. but that comes with Sky Ultimate TV and Netflix. Okay, so, so that Netflix is Netflix, and that's the 4K version of Netflix, isn't one it? One would so assume so if they're to- if they're including it and bundling it in with their yeah. Ultra HD television. So again, with with my Sky service, I've got the Ultimate TV bundle, which includes Netflix, and that's the 4K Netflix, and that's still the version of Netflix where you can sign in on other devices and stream it on up to four separate devices. It's just you build via Sky rather than via Netflix. Sure. So that's worth a tenner on its own. So actually, that's not too bad. And this is the thing. I've I've wanted to bash this quite a lot because I, you know, Sky is founded by Rupert Murdoch and yeah. I, I'm not going to say anything to cause slander or libel, but I'm not his biggest fan. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I have been a Sky customer before. Family members have been Sky customers for decades mm. and they don't like looking after customers really unless you're forced to quit on them. Yeah. Now, my biggest fear with Sky Glass was if you want to cancel your subscription after 48 months, mm. what the hell happens to the telly? With phone contracts, you keep your phone. Yes. A television, I thought, geez, that's, that's really? Well, yeah, of course. If you've paid the monthly fees, you've effectively paid it off. You can keep the telly. So I thought, result. Mm-hmm. But then you need a set top box to get any sort of free view, for example, down to the television. Does it not even have an air, like a Freeview tuner built in? It has a coax port, so you could put an old-fashioned aerial into it, should you wish. Okay. But obviously, if you leave Sky, you've, you've, you've ended up basically with a, a smart TV with all the other apps on, but anything basically. Sky-related won't work. But looking at it again, the biggest issue is I have my home cinema system already, which yep. is a 49-inch LG UHD TV, which may be quite low-end, spent about 400 quid on it a couple of years ago. This one would be a massive, massive upgrade, but I'm not sure I would buy something from Sky at the moment, purely because it has been reported recently that a small number of customers have reported flickering and software update issues. Oh, okay. And I was amazed how quickly this came out from announcement, a week a week or two, maybe. So they've already got customers using it then? Correct. Already. Okay, that's it. No, okay. I think it's going to be an interesting thing to follow because yeah. Sky won't want to, one, make this a flop. Like Sky Q came out and I think it was a massive success. Yeah. By doing everything over the internet, it's going to give them a better market share of broadband, I would assume, because they can bundle it in with their Sky Glass yeah, absolutely. customers. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. But secondly... If they're going to move away from the satellite business, they are re obviously they're already going to be up against Virgin Media, who are cable. But I think this could really put them properly head to head because the connectivity is going to be the same sort of tech, one cable yeah. to the house. I think what's interesting, there's a couple of bits that are interesting to me. One is it's interesting that it, they kind of seem to be going into competition with themselves when you consider they also have the Now TV service. <laughs> I didn't think of it like that. Where you can get an Now TV stick or an Now TV box or whatever they, it comes on these days. Or there's Now TV apps, 
you know, buy a normal smart TV and you can get an OWTV app for it. And they've already got, obviously, there's a, it's a far more limited range of channels, but they have bundles or packages where you get all the main Sky channels or the kids' channels or the movie channels. And there's no download, there's no downloading or recording. It's all streaming and things like that. So from that perspective, they're kind of poaching themselves. On the other hand, one thing that's been kind of rumoured for a while is that they have been trying to get this kind of full-fat dishless service, not just like this limited now TV thing. Because I can imagine how for some people, say if they're in shared accommodation, block of flats or an old building where they can't have a dish. Yeah, I, I've been, I say victim, it's per, it's okay not to be allowed a dish, but yeah. it forced me down into a provider I might not have necessarily chosen yeah. to begin with. So if you're a happy Sky customer and you've been with them for years and you've had all the discounts, etc., and you're moving somewhere and suddenly, oh shit, there's no dish and I can't get one. You're okay. You're all right because, well, we've got this new just, service. Just broadband. Just, just broadband That's these people. That's what you need. You know, so I, I get why it will appeal to some people but but like you you know i've already got tv that i'm more than happy with thank you very much the sky q service i would see sky glass as a downgrade on a technical and functional level from what sky q can give me but i think as a potential all-in-one package to say here's your broadband here's a tv Here's all the Sky channels to to entice people in. I can see it being quite a popular choice. So there's been pros and cons, and the UI on Sky for me is perfect for somebody like myself, and I know older people who can use it. Virgins, it took me a good while to get used to it. So currently being in a contract with my current provider, I would be tempted to look at this when I'm out of contract if I feel the TV upgrade is justified. Okay. Because that's going to be the crux of this. Mm. Most people already have a television. Yeah, that's it. So unless you're specifically looking to upgrade your TV as well. And this might be the perfect opportunity for some people to upgrade their 720 HD televisions that they've had for a number of years. You know, having a dog bollock TV isn't on the forefront of everyone's minds. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Sky has never really been pushed at collectors and you know, cinephiles no i get that no. however the quantum dot tech that's in this it does look bloody nice and if mm-hmm. hey sky if anyone's listening i want one to review come on yep yep <laughs> we'll we'll let's test plug, let's plug that now <laughs> i i was wary at first and i still think for some people it's just not going to be their thing it's certainly where i'm at with with my tv and as you say home cinema stuff it's really not for me. But then they're probably not going after people like us. They're people who maybe have, like you say, a TV that's five or ten years old that they're looking to upgrade anyway. Here's an opportunity to sell them the Sky service all in one, convenient. And, and obviously there's the option, I guess, to pay for the TV up front or pay monthly. It does, like, it does look like it, like a phone, like, yeah. Like a phone. So it's a familiar Model. Model, that's right. So it's a neat idea. And I think, like you say, as you've kind of explained it, I'm probably less sceptical now than I was 20 minutes ago, let's say. I mean, I I still think I'm I'm flitting back and forth. One one hour ago, yeah, I think I'd quite like it. And then I go, but I like my telly, I like my TV pack. And I think it'll all come down to what price can you get for both your TV, your uh, your service package, let's call it and your broadband, because at the end of the day, they all have to work... Well, your broadband's going to have to work nicely with the Skyglass, and they're recommending 25 megabits per second. And, you know, if that goes down, yeah, absolutely shafted. Yeah. Let's see how that this pans out now over the next... I don't know. It's new, isn't it? So maybe a year to iron out the problems. Yeah. I think we've prattled on too much now in episode two. I think we have. I think that's going to be an epic, and I pity the poor bastard who has to try and edit that down into something that's listenable. <sighs> Hopefully it's listenable. Yeah. <laughs> if you have any comments, you know how to get in touch with us. It's podcast at culturetrumpet.com. That's it. We also have, not wishing to be presumptuous, but if you want to show your support a little more, we've actually set up a Patreon. That uh, kind of people. Because we are. Because You're not a podcast if you don't have a Patreon. It's early days, okay? Certainly at the minute, we're, we're able to use free plans for, for various services that we're using to put this together. So if we are going to get to the point soon where we're going to be uh, charged for some of those services, so if you can spare, you know, 
three pounds a month which is which is all we're asking for on the patreon single tier that's all it is we're not going to mess around with loads of different options but you'll see on the patreon page which is at patreon.com forward slash culture trumpet we are planning to put put out some exclusive stuff it might be uncut versions of episodes bloopers extra bits exclusive episodes some more kind of deep dive ones that that focus on single subjects and, and, and things like that so we do have some plans but obviously it would be good to know that what we're doing is appreciated and, and there's an interest there for it. So so if that's the kind of thing you want to see in the future, please do sign up and, and you know throw us a couple of pounds each month. That would be appreciated. And nobody's telling us to stop yet. So which is weird. I mean, you know. Just carry on. I mean uh, until someone says, What the hell are you talking about? Then I'll go maybe maybe we should reevaluate our and, choices. And, and it won't it won't take many people to tell us to stop. I'm thinking maybe only ten or 15,000. Oh, if you have made it this far, we appreciate it. Indeed we do. Indeed we do. So I think that's probably it for now. We'll be back. Whether that's a threat or a promise is entirely in the ears of the listener, but we'll be back. And until then, cheerio. See you next time. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.